When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. Where where are you, Dallas? I'm home. I'm in Stockton, California. That's not home. Yeah, it's it's home 2.0. That's it's home. That's not home. It's home. That's, it's where the heart you lies. Left. You left. Heart lies. You made a big stink about it. You were like, fuck nope. Stockton. No. Nope. Nope. And then you I just <clears> left, you left the night. for the I left like the Cleveland Browns did. Just fucking you gone. left for the burbs. I was here and then did. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. How's still here? How's still to standing? Your the fucking soup was still warm on the stove, Jared. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess for this episode, well, there's three different places we can start. I know where I want to lead off. The next two, we could go in either direction. There's there's one topic where we have to start here. Topics number two and three, we could go the negative route or we could go the positive route. So we'll decide once we get there. But first. Jay, hey, <clears throat> you, yes, uh, you did say something on the last episode about by the time we record again, there will be a better catch than Hunter Renfro's catch. Uh, you've got options. <laughs> uh, the Bay catch, yeah, which on. I saw live in person. That was a great catch. I mean, I, so here's, here's my question to you as a baseball guy. Op, like the optics of it, it looks like a great catch, but do you reward a bad route to a ball just because he well, completed his shitty route and made the catch? Well, well time I out. Mean, is it a bad ahead, route? Dude. Is it a bad route or is it's it him route. adjusting in a very, very difficult sky? The t- I mean, it's beyond twilight. It's nighttime. What? What? Yeah, you're coming in hot. Uh... Better. Yep. All right. Yeah. So it's it's nighttime. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, the Red Sox are still lighting their stadium with fucking candle power for Christ's sake. So it's not easy to track baseballs out there in the outfield. So you find brand new lights. No, you, you got LED fucking scoreboard lights or whatever the fuck in the house, right? You, like it's yeah, the same, brand new. It's the same lights. That's that's for celebration purposes. Yeah, but they're brand new lights. You're you're missing the whole point where they don't come on until something cool happens. 
No. I thought the whole light. I thought I thought the new lights were just the new like. You know no, what I mean, dude? Like, they're uh, the fucking. They're the whole. Bump. No, no. So the, no. So they're, the they're, the lights in yes. the standard up top. <clears throat> yes. Well, they're still farther away from the baseball surface than any other <laughs> place in the league. So that's a problem. Too. Okay. Okay. Well, I did notice that uh, with the new lights, which is a big topic of conversation here in Boston, is. The there are areas of the ballpark that look darker. Fuck yeah! Like like in the crowd, like the upper decks are darker. Did you notice that, Jake? Like even in like the bleachers, it, it like looks darker in the bleachers. Yeah, I saw that too. Well, you got, you yeah, got to like, think like t- with the wall, especially in left field, where those lights are coming from. Like there's just going to be a mild bit of a shadow cast right up against the wall as well. Well, the towers didn't move like the light standards are the same it's just they replace the bulbs with leds like i don't know what why it would be different but the lights are in the same spot they've been for a hundred years yeah well no i'm just saying the the aluminum the the aluminum and the power like how led lights shine or whatever hmm. different than a standard bulb yeah it's just funny that they took them this long to get LED lights, no? Like, what kind of lights are they using last year? <laughs> not every team, not every team has them. You I think the Fenway's always been like a weird lighting. When you watch on TV, I've never been. Always. It's like weirdly dark. It's oh, like it's, yellow. Yeah, it's it's dark, dude. It's dark. I, All right, this is not. I, I feel like Hunter Redford's like turning getting, into Fenway slander is crazy. Yeah, we're getting way too in in depth on the specs of Fenway Park and way too far yeah. away from the initial point, which was that I was correct. Right. Uh, right. Um, they suck. So Bay Bay's catch, Bobby Witt's catch, I would put definitively ahead of Hunter Renfro's. I think Jake McCarthy's catch is probably in the same ballpark. So we had like, I I just want to say shout out to the Baseball is Dead crew, the listeners, because uh, you guys really had my back and I appreciate that. I was watching, but you, if I had missed all of the great catches, you would have let me know. So I believe the prediction was by next Monday. Turns out it was by Wednesday. No big deal. I, I still, if I were to power rank them, I would still have Hunter Renfro's catch above the Bobby Witt catch. What? It was a nice running catch. Like the fucking the over the shoulder layout is a fucking Hunter nice Renfro catch. was looking in the fucking bleachers and caught the ball. Oh, and what are you talking two about? Two minutes ago, you wanted to bang a guy for a bad route. Hunter Renfro can't locate the fucking baseball, and we're still going to give did him I, the fucking ribbon. Did huh? I say that I put Bay's catch above uh, or below Hunter Renfro? No, I didn't. Bay, I said, I said it was a better catch. Now you're talking about Bobby Wood Jr. playing the most premium defensive position on the fucking field, turning around, Just, retreating, laying out over his shoulder and catching that baseball and hunter renfro had a fucking bad wi-fi signal on his fucking magellan route and <laughs> oh and then fucking no. it's great it was great but it, it was wasn't a, it was a nice Wood catch Jr. it was a nice catch by Bobby. we're Wood talking Jr. about the best catch not the best route the best that's catch. part of it that's part no, of it no no like no you can, no, no, you can no, make no, a no, catch no, no, look more difficult no, than it needs to be oh for sure that's why jd that's why that's Pops why jd drew didn't caught. get any love Whoa, wow. JD Drew didn't get any love in Boston because he just made every catch look easy because he was an elite right fielder. Well, that the may be better. The balls that play. Trot Nixon had to dive for, JD Drew was camped under. So yeah, there's like, oh, great. He's a better, better place. No, he's got no grit and balls. He's not laying out for yeah, balls yeah, in the right field because he didn't have show. to. Metrics. Yeah, we're, day, we're talking about best catch, not the best play. The Whatever, best dude. catch. Yeah, no. It's fine. Hunter right, Info's number fine. one. Best catch. Oh, Renfro is number one. Get the fuck out of here. 
The wow factor of Hunter Renfro's catch far exceeds those other catches. Yeah, but it, it was wow. Like, holy shit, he actually caught that. Like, yeah. based on what we saw and the physical position he had put himself in, that wasn't supposed to happen. Those are different than, oh, my God, did Bay just fucking damn near climb the climb the fucking monster in left field? That was outrageous. Amazing play. It was a great play. Great catch, too, but not the best catch. Uh, not the best this catch. is very subjective, but part of what I love about a catch is like feeling like the guy's got a beat on the ball and like being like, he can get to it, he can get to it, he might get it, he might get it, he might get it, and then he dot. Like, that's why the Bobby Witt thing, that's why the Bay catches were visually appealing to me is because you feel like, like he's going to lay out for this. Like the, the, the timing is working here. Whereas Renfro is like, again, I'm not saying it's a bad catch, but it was more like, oh shit. Like he actually yeah. caught that ball. <laughs> you're you're um, reacting yeah. like it wasn't the it wasn't the it wasn't the like skill in the exact moment in the pursuit to the ball that wowed you. It was the skill that it takes to be able to just throw a fucking glove out at something and catch it. Like you're like, oh shit, yeah, he caught that. Yeah, I'm just going because I, I I saw the Bay catch live and I saw the Renfro catch live, so I'm going based off like. What was the shock factor in the moment where I'm watching a baseball game and that actually just happened? And I think I was more shocked that Renfro caught it because I guess the, the difference with the Bay catch is that there's that 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 moment of, well, wait a second. Like, let's see the replay. Did that bang off the wall and go into his glove? Like, you don't know. Right. But it was. It was pretty indisputable that Renfro made the catch. Well, what, what, yeah. And watching the Renfro catch live. My initial thought was not, oh, wow, that was an incredible play. That was it. My initial thought was that lucky son of a bitch. Because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. we're still running if he doesn't fucking catch that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's good to have candidates. It's good to have candidates. Maybe we'll put out a, we'll put out a poll on uh, the Baseball's Dead Twitter. And we'll let the people decide what has been the best catch of the season so far. Oh, you know, uh, baby. So that, so that Jay Hay can take his victory lap uh, with official data. <laughs> Love that. Love I that. don't want recency bias either. None of that bullshit. Because I know that there's going to be recency bias in play. The Renfro catch was, was one of the best catches of uh, the decade. The decade. <laughs> Fuck out of here. They're going to be showing that in Angels package, uh, no, promo packages. Yeah, that, that's going to make the Angels pregame real right there for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, all right. So we can go. Which do you want to go left or do you want to go right? There's a negative way we can go and there's a positive way let's, we can go. Which way are we going? Let's go left. Let's go left. A lot of positive. So you want to go left. Positive. Sandy yes. Alcantara. Oh, Karabasi. shut Shut piece in under two hours. That is the take home message. Yesterday, I did an interview and I was asked for an egregious overreaction to what we've seen in the first week of baseball. And I said, yeah. all right, egregious overreaction. We're going to see a baseball game played in an hour and a half at some point in time this season is what I said. And fucking 24 hours later, we get our first sub two hour game. Now, I don't realistically think we're going to play a ball game in an hour and a half. But Sandy Alcantara's outing would have been very, very similar minus the pitch clock as well, because he was out there shoving it directly up the fish's ass directly (laughs) up. Wait, 
or the uh, the, sorry, the other yeah. team. He's shoving it up his <laughs> teammates' asses. No, I think fish. that is a good. That's a good way to put it, though. Just not. You know what I mean? Like that should be a new phrase. Shoving it up the fish's ass doesn't have anything to do with the Marlins. <laughs> just any time a pitcher just you know works quick and just throws fastballs right in the middle, right up the fish's ass, baby. <laughs> I like it, Joe. I like it. That's when you know you got a good. You got your A stuff. But that was like that. That's the kind of outing. That's what makes dudes like that and performances like that so special, or at least so like super exciting in years past. Because you know that typically you got a two-hour, forty-minute, three-hour piece ahead of you, and when you see a dude carve his way through a lineup like that and make light work of a team, that's fucking impressive. impressive. Yeah. There. Who was it? Was it Roflo on MLB Network? Because like when you call it a Maddox, it's a complete game shutout in under a hundred pitches. Yeah. But he threw the caveat of under two hours. I was like, I think you made that up. Like, that's not part of it. There's no, like that's not part yeah, of it. It's like, just the pitches. No. Just the pitches. Under, yeah. under, under hundred pitches. Yeah. Under hundred is a Maddox. Yeah. So Sandy, which by the way, my, my first thought after, after the, the complete game shutout was none of us picked Sandy to go back to back. We Cy Young. We couldn't, well, we couldn't pick him because he won it. Right. No, we, it, you you only can't pick someone oh, if you, pick you picked them last year, which I don't think anyone picked them last year either. No. Um, so fair to say that was a major oversight go? on our part? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that being one that comes back to bite us for sure. <laughs> what were the picks? Uh, I, had, I picked Burns. Uh, Corbin Burns. I think we both picked Burns. Who did I? I don't know who you had. How I do you not Sandy. remember? Oh, I said Verlander. That's who I said. Yeah, oh, nice. terrible. I had, yeah, I had Verlander winning the <laughs> NL Cy, becoming the seventh player to win the AL and NL Cy Young. He better that hurry was the fuck instantly, up. That was instantly <laughs> derailed. That's fucking done. That ship is safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was not a good pick. Yeah, it was a great pick so until no he fucking came up lame. Yeah, immediately. Fuck. Like right after you picked right, it. Mean, it was. It was like, oh, oh. Yeah, no, IL. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh, speaking of the Mets, though. Meet the Mets. The Milwaukee Meet Brewers. The Welcome right the Mets up. to town and blow their fucking doors Meet off 19 to nothing. 19 to nothing in two games. Max Scherzer gives up not one, not two, but three home runs in a row. And uh, listen, Jay Hay, Jay Hay's actually got some some interesting numbers on Max Scherzer. Not that uh, I, I love Max Scherzer. Not to not to celebrate the downfall of a man who is. Uh, it looks like Father Time has come for Max Scherzer. Uh, but what are what are those numbers and and what what is the what's the range here? Is it last ten starts? So it's so I looked at his last four, which goes back to okay, obviously a small sample, but it goes back to his final mm-hmm. regular season start of last year, his postseason start of last year, and then his first two starts this year. And sometimes you know I'm big on the advanced stats, and I'll bring them when they're necessary. But to me, the one that stands out here is that he's allowed ten home runs in his last four starts, uh, covering just over twenty one innings. That's not, I mean, we know that even for a great pitcher, Scherzer at his worst is a little bit homer prone. We've seen that before, even in his best seasons. Um, 
In fact, that was the entire problem, basically, with his 2020 was that he allowed a little, a few too many home runs in that short sample. But the father time thing, I think, is real because he's not going as deep into games either. And the 10 home runs and 19 earned runs in 21 and two thirds innings over his last four starts to me is it's a thing. It's a thing. And their entire pitching staff is built on the, the backs of two all time, all time greats. But one of them just allowed home runs in, in three consecutive plate appearances and the other ones on the shelf for a, two, a TBD amount of time. So I think, you know, the concerns about the Mets uh, are rearing their heads. And I have concerns about Scherzer, even though that might sound stupid in three weeks for saying that. So I'll ask you this, Dallas. I know that you were not a hitter in the big leagues, but you can probably speak to this better than we could. I saw like a heat map of Max Scherzer's release points. Mm -hmm. And for each pitch, there is a essentially a bubble for each pitch. Uh And there is this idea that he might be tipping his pitches based on his release point. How good does your fucking eye have to be to notice the difference between here, 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 and here, and know which pitch is what? Um, It is not as difficult as you might think initially. And the only reason I say that is because think about somebody who works with a keyboard or a typewriter back in the day, right? You're taking typing class or whatever the fuck I had to take typing class and you're banging out words per minute. And somebody who's around a keyboard and who works with the keyboard frequently, you know, the home keys, you're super comfortable moving around. You don't have to look at the keyboard. You are just geared and engineered and now designed in a way to operate completely differently than other people doing the same thing. And that's what happens with reaction time, especially at the elite levels. So these guys, these players, and it happens in, you know, collegiate athletics as well, softball players, you lock in on certain things and you are building a biomechanical Rolodex in your head of what a certain pitch does when it is let go from here, what a certain pitch does when it's let go from here. And you learn very early on how to start to differentiate release points and pitches uh, based on hand position and skinny wrist, fat wrist, right? Skinny wrist, slider, skinny wrist, breaking ball, fat wrist, fastball, fat wrist, fastball. So you at 13, if I'm training you to start to try to identify a wider wrist on the fastball and a skinnier wrist on breaking balls, then you're already starting to identify and train yourself to see things and locate things and identify them long before anybody else is in your same class. So when you get to the big leagues and you've gone through high school, you've gone through college ball, you've gone through pro ball, and you're refining the way that you are tracking pitches and the way that you are watching release points, this doesn't seem like the tall task that it is to the normal average everyday human being who's not tracking fucking 98 mile an hour fastballs. Uh, But it, it is something that, and we talk about it, look, after 95, you're just listening for the ball because you can't fucking see it. You just hear it. So you got to have a game plan on where you're going to meet this baseball at a certain time. So in a long-winded answer, it's not as tough as it seems, but it's not like everybody just has that in their brain and can flip that switch on and identify it. That's why you got Manny Ramirez and Edgar Martinez 
hitting fucking tennis balls with numbers on them, trying to track that shit as it's coming in. Like that's just a different level of work they're putting in than maybe other guys were. And I think their numbers can speak to the success. So then all that being said, what is more likely is Max Scherzer washed because of his age or is he tipping his pitches on release point? Let's call it a perfect marriage and a perfect convergence between the athletes today being able to tap in and utilize and source technology that allows them. They could they could essentially, Jared, put on a no free ads, win reality headset. And before they even face Max Scherzer, could have tracked 10,000 pitches from Max Scherzer. Now, sure, it's different because it's a digital remake as opposed to an actual live flesh and bone and blood body throwing at you. But you get what I'm saying. They're already starting to they already know how warm the water is before they've even showed up to the pool. So they're a little more confident in their ability to jump in and survive. And Mm. for Max, if we think that father time is knocking on the door, then that is a deterioration of stuff, a deterioration of repeatability. And all of those things make you vulnerable to a pack of young wolves who have technology that allows them to sniff out blood in the water before they even get to the pool, like I said. Mm. Yeah, because you've you've obviously seen this device, this pitching machine with the video board, right? Yeah. Uh, Not every team has this. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on a prior podcast. The machines they got. Do you, do you understand that that there's teams that have pitching machines where I take the spin rate data from a certain guy, I yeah. type that in, and I'm getting I've that seen pitch it. right now. That's well, what I'm getting. Not not just that. No. In addition to that, yeah, you've got you can you pitcher. can type in any pitcher that you want. You have their spin rate data. You have their release point. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at a video board where the hole that the ball comes out of moves along the video board so that if you're facing Max Scherzer, now it's now it's out here because he's more uh, he's he's more like closer to 180 degrees. And then if you're facing a more 90 degree angle guy, you can move the ball like you, you can move the hole that the ball comes out of. But then you're seeing a video of the pitcher's mechanic delivery yep. so you can time the tempo you can see the release point and then you're getting the exact spin rate data and velocity that you would get from facing this guy like those machines exist oh, yeah. and only a handful of teams have this but i did see it and it is fucking nuts you you want to know what it's like when uh like fps game like first person shooter games um came out there's a game called battlefield and obviously played on a TV screen. Well, they built a fucking system that you can walk in on, and they do military training on these things now. So imagine super baked, 2.30 in the morning, just laying on your couch, wheeling your guy around, having fun, shooting shit, blowing shit up. No big deal, right? That's cool. But now, imagine walking into a room where you walk on a platform, you get strapped in on a harness, it's got a fucking treadmill underneath you, you put on the goggles, And now you want your guy to walk, you better walk your ass on that treadmill. You want your guy to run, you better run your ass on that treadmill. You want your guy to duck and not get his fucking wig split, you better fucking duck. So a completely, like just completely immersed experience. And that's what watching video in the computer room used to be. 
Now you're going to go into the computer and play with the software. You're not just going to look at the screen. You're going to be a part of the fucking programming now. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen this, Jay? Hey, the pitching machine that I'm talking about. Yeah. So I got to see Eduardo Perez get in there. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I forget. It might have been maybe it was DeGrom, I want to say. But yeah, he got in there and he was tracking DeGrom and he was blown away seeing it live in person. Um, It's fascinating. I, I don't I don't know that many people have seen this, but. Yeah, it's it's not even something that teams can own. Like teams have to essentially rent this. They pay the company to come in, set it up, and then you pay a, a, essentially a, a rental fee to have this in your facility, whether it's spring training. Uh, some teams have it in their um, their tunnels at their ballparks, but there are not many teams that do have it, and I can see how valuable this would be to have in your well imagine tunnel imagine you get a player imagine you get a fringe player from an organization that doesn't have this and you introduce him to this and now all of a sudden it's like the gap between him being a guy you were going after and a guy that you were just kind of like oh i know who he is marginal whatever could could very literally be the reps the reps just you being able to track and start to get a feel for for what you're seeing on a consistent basis. And then that guy ends up going to an organization who doesn't have that or doesn't value that. And it's essentially like going from running water at the touch of a button to you got to walk up that fucking hill and dip your pail in the well and lug it down. And it's like, fuck man, this was completely different. This is, I'm a different person with this. It's like how teams used to skip <clears throat> like their 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 best starters against uh, teams within their division during spring training. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're saving this guy for the season. Like we don't want you to see him too much. It's like, well, guess what? I just saw fucking three hundred pitches from this guy last night in my living room. And and you know and you know what's fucked up about that is so uh, they used to do, I did that a lot. I would go over to the minor league side if we're playing the Angels. Go over to the minor league side. But you know what they would do is they'd send fucking Mike Napoli, Howie Kendrick, and Sean Diggins (laughs) over to the fucking minor league side. So every fucking bat for my five innings of work that I was supposed to be getting against not them is fucking them every (laughs) fucking inning. So you're doing yourself no fucking favors. God Uh, damn it. Just to go back to Scherzer specifically for a second, the... So I was looking at, again, we're talking about a total of 82 pitches uh, with his four-seamer, so I want listeners to keep that in mind. But in 2021, batters hit 193 off his four-seamer. They hit 212 last season, and through two starts, batters are 9 of 18 against his four-seamer. That's 500, quick math. Um, five, And it's not just harmless singles either. Five singles, but three doubles, and a home run as well. So again, very, very early, but you know, that that pitch has also lost about a mile and a half in velocity since 2020. So which, again, is expected, like as you get older, but 93.3 is, is again, and it's April. So I know velocity increases all those caveats. 93.3 on his four seamer batters are hurting 500 off of it so far this season. And it was 94.7 as recently as 2020. So to the point of stuff deteriorating and these That's guys, real. the DNA of today's player being such that they're geared to hit that heater up top even more so 
if you've got a fastball that's waning against a group of people who have been working really hard on getting to those fastballs up there, that could be a bad recipe. But what Jay Hayes said, because I listened to Max talk about it, and I said something out loud as soon as he was asked the question, and then he fucking repeated exactly what I just said. And I was like, sometimes it's just that easy to explain, and you sound like an ass saying it, but it can be very real. And Jay had kind of touched on it. It's April, and Max said, it's the fucking big leagues. You make a mistake three times in a row, this is what's supposed to happen. They're supposed to do shit like that when you make a mistake three times in a row. So if I And I said, it's the big leagues. And he said, look, it's the big leagues. You make a mistake, you get hurt. And I was like, fucking thank you. Like, But there is a worry to an extent I get, but he's also trying to, you know, that's essentially his Brett Favre comment. Like, hey, calm down. I'm still Max Scherzer. Let's revisit this if I'm fucking 92 and backing up third all fucking day in July. All right? Then we can talk. But right now, let's fucking come on. Yeah. The baseball season is in full swing. Whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered for all this season's action. Right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park with DraftKings same game parlays. Combine multiple bets in a single game for a shot at an even bigger payout. If you were throwing some uh, hard-earned money on the Pittsburgh Pirates Holla. this past week, <laughs> you are in the green. Yes, sir. Reynolds, and pretty much you could take any type of total base bet with with, with Brian Reynolds, uh, and, and it is going to be cashing all day long. Join the big league action now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Sign up with the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line and get $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code Jared. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Uh, yeah, that, that's been tough, Dallas. Yeah, I mean. It's been a, it's been but, a tough series for the Sox. But you know what? I commend you because you texted me. <clears throat> you texted me last night right after the score went final and you were like, all right, per the bet we made. Whose jersey do you want now? And I thought that was I thought that was I, I thought that was that. nice of you. I thought because there's been times nah, where we've talked about that. the integrity kind of lacking on the pod and whether or not you're gonna own up and pay up. And yeah. I finally mm-hmm. got the O'Neill Cruz jersey, which was cool. But for you and I, we yeah. did because you I haven't even worn like, it on the fucking podcast yet. Well, well I, I can't come out of the gate with a fucking pirates jersey on. I work for the Oakland Athletics, Jared. I gotta pick a Yeah, spot. but you you don't work for the Oakland Athletics on this podcast. Yeah, I'm not a, saying we're in the Oakland A's broadcast. That's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Which, but but, but I, I knew what I was going to do is I was strategizing because since you and I came to terms on the bet. <clears throat> last night right. where if yeah. my team wins the series you'll we buy came to me, terms on the bet after i lost you'll it. buy me a jersey of another player so i'm i'm gonna ask for the uh, brian reynolds jersey now um okay but are you confident that that's still gonna be a thing by next year what that brian reynolds is gonna be a pirate i mean buddy yeah. we're, we're 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 changing the climate here don't shake your fucking head justin haymans don't you I mean, shake your fucking head Hey, uh, I hope for Brian Reynolds' sake he's not there. It may have been. It may have been Stormy Seas early. Oh, 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 hey. Hey, you don't like it, Swab? Grab a fucking mop and bucket and hit the deck, pal. All right? Because I'm here to fucking tell you right now. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. 
on the Buckos radar. <laughs> and Brian Riddles is in the middle of that. Well, you got something to say? Let me hear. Yeah, it. let me t- let me fucking tell you something. If this was a real pirate ship, it would be at the bottom of the fucking ocean already. <laughs> You'd be talking about Davy Jones's locker and shit like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Henry Davis's locker. We're, we're just we're just easing out of port, Jay. Hey, we're just easing out of port right now. Bring back Clint. Bring back Clint. <laughs> That's right. The Buckos wave is coming, buddy. It's fucking coming. You just better hide and seek shelter when that wave comes crashing. James Cameron's going to do a documentary about the the pirate ship resting on the bottom of the ocean. Oh, this is making me feel worse about my team. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones getting fucking smacked up by the buckos. What the fuck's going on? Listen, uh, <clears throat> I was in the booth the other night. Yeah, that, that was, and, uh, I mean, you got to learn, too. Come on, you got to learn, come dude. Come on. Listen, I've been in the booth for a big league broadcast for six outs. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen four homers for the other guys <laughs> six outs I, I, six outs four homers nesson if you're listening do yourself a favor do the fucking put me in the bottom half Kip, put me in the bottom half this stop setting me up for failure this guy out of the fucking box what do you mean failure do you understand you've been fucking blowing this rocket horn for god knows how long they put you up there so maybe you get some fucking mound mojo going on and all you've been doing is getting your fucking tits lit like a goddamn christmas tree it is it is crazy like the first i did it last summer half an inning orioles hit two bombs and i was like thank god it this happened in september because like no one's watching no one will remember last place whatever yeah (laughs) then i go back uh on monday and uh what second pitch of the inning fucking over the monster just absolutely smoked and i didn't because i was gonna go in with that in mind i was gonna say yeah you know last time i was here the they gave up two home runs so hopefully that doesn't happen again i couldn't even get that out before someone hit a home run (laughs) and then reynolds fucking hits another one because i was like listen i was like i know i'm gonna get blamed for that home run but yeah it was like at the end of the day um you know it's not me and then uh Boom, Homer. See ya. I, th- I thought I saw the stat that they're the first team ever where each of the first five, each of their five starting pitchers allowed two plus home runs in their opening start. See, that's what makes me feel better about the whole thing. Like you know, yeah, I was in the booth for half an inning, and Cutter Crawford gave up two home runs, but everyone has given up home runs. This is the worst. I mean, the, the I'm still not Jake. You worried about it? It's still early. Not still early. A lot of season left. A lot of season left. Uh, we're we're only one turn through the rotation. I'll say it's been bad. Like I'll give you that. It hasn't been good. But uh, I'm I'm not really worried about whether or not the Red Sox are good or bad. I'm just defending myself for people blaming me. Wow. For Big the home guy. runs when every yeah no no no. If you're gonna if you're gonna come at me, I'm gonna defend myself. So. I just want it on the record that it's not me, it's them. <laughs> they they suck, not me. 
So, <laughs> some, sometimes you got to put the team on your back, Jared. Sometimes you've got to be willing to stand in the line of fire and take those arrows. Right now, it feels like you're doing a big Ole job. Yeah, no doubt. It's you got to protect numero uno. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I mean, can can we put a finger on 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 what's happening? Why? Oh, we're just bad. I think just running you can't, into better teams you can't right assemble. Now? You can't assemble a bad rotation and be like, "Why the fuck are these guys bad?" It's, like, it's just not good. They're just not good. That's unfortunate. The wet. It's been cold too. I will say that Bro. it's been cold. Jeez. Shouldn't that um, mean the ball's not flying out of the park? You think, you think that? <laughs> no, that that's uh, different. That's yeah, the different. Pirates just turned into Miguel Cabrera hitting fucking homers through blizzards, right? That's that's what everybody saw. Well, it, it it's it's not like it's not like the Red Sox are losing nine to one. Like they're they're no, scoring you know what just as Jared, many runs as they're giving up. Just I just I just figured it out. The fucking lights, the right. LED lights are way too bright for the pitchers. They're not used to it. They probably can't see signs. A lot of guys getting crossed up. We play like one night game. <laughs> Have you guys ever been trying to help? I mean, I think there might be something to the lights thing, though, because as, as a man who's driven on a highway before, I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of these cars with the new bright LED lights that look like they're on bright all the time. Or you, you got your bright lights on. Yeah. I think that might yeah, be what's I mean, happening yeah. to the Red Sox. Maybe the pitchers. I don't know. Can the pitchers see the lights? Yeah. I'm well, sure they're fucking seeing fireworks right now. That's for sure. The sky is definitely <laughs> lighting up. Come on. I got a positive stat for the Sox, though. Because as a oh, team, hit me. As a team, they have a 6.40 ERA, which is second worst. But their FIP is 6.16, which is <laughs> pretty bad, too. But their expected FIP is 4.78. So maybe they're getting a little FIP. lucky. They're getting unlucky. <laughs> expected FIP is lower than the ERA. They're getting unlucky. Expected FIP is digging deep to find yeah. a positive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys have been getting your fucking shit pushed in. But when you when you step back and you look at like how it's supposed to have gone, it's really not supposed to be this bad. I mean, it's bad, but it's not supposed to be this bad. So It's not supposed to be this bad. <laughs> You got that going, Jake. Is it supposed to be this bad? No, not at all. Not at all. It's hey, listen. I'm all in on the expected FIP. What a great statistic. Uh, The season's about to turn around, and it starts. It starts in about an hour or so. Uh, Red Sox got a day game to finish off the Pittsburgh Pirates, (laughs) or at least the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to finish off the Red Sox. I don't know what's what's happening there, bitch. Yeah, yeah. But another big thing that's happening today. We have a highly anticipated big league debut sticking in the American League East. The Orioles are calling up Grayson Rodriguez. How about it? How MLB's about it? number seven ranked prospect. I believe he's the number one ranked pitching prospect, right? He's got to be. Uh, yes, I think so. He's huge. He's like 6'4", 230. He's a Texan making his big league debut in Texas against the Rangers. This is going to be a guy. And if you're the Baltimore Orioles, or you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, I should say, you watched your team arrive early last year. You watched your team excite the fan base last year. A lot of that excitement 
I don't want to say it fizzled out, but it it was kind of you guys got blue balled a little bit where you're showing ownership. Hey, we're worthy of reinforcements. Send us some help. Let's fucking let's stick a rocket ship up our ass and show the AL East that we're ready to contend right now. They didn't do that. I mean, Cole Irvin, all due respect to Cole Irvin, those that's not the reinforcements that I was looking for. I was looking for a Michael Walker, maybe um, something, something to to make a little bit of a tiny splash. Not looking for the the Xander Bogarts of the world or waiting for Manny Machado to maybe hit free agency and spending 300 million on him. Not not anything like that. Back in the day when they were in the mark to share a sweepstakes, not something like that, but something they didn't get it. It was a disappointing offseason for Birdland. But today, before you go throwing stones at Cole Irvin, what you need is a guy that can help oh stabilize shit. Out of everything I just said, you want to run to the defense of the former Oakland athletic. This is about the no, Orioles. No, this know. is about Birdland. Listen, if you're going to have a place for a guy like Grayson Rodriguez to land and you're mm-hmm. going to have a place for him in this rotation, you've got to have somebody or other people there that are there to take the brunt of the workload. And that's why you identify a guy like Cole Irvin, because over the last two seasons, he's taken the ball each and every turn. Productivity aside, if you're going to have young guys in the rotation with an opportunity to try to learn and earn their way through and to the to and through the big leagues, you've got to have stabilizing forces. You have to have that. It just has to be that way. Otherwise, all the pressure now, the spotlight shines squarely on Grayson Rodriguez and his production and his success now becomes directly tied to the team's future. And I get that to an extent, but you have to let these guys breathe. You have to. So while it might not have been a super sexy acquisition, it was a trend in the direction of we've got a foundation ahead of us that we're ready to lay down, but we need to make sure that we've got other things in place. I, I, I agree with both of you. I, I think Cole Irvin could have been part of the solution for the offseason. I was also disappointed at the lack of action because I think they're they're emerging and they showed that last year. It's not like it's all theoretical. Uh, they were a very competitive team for like 75% of last season and to have the offseason that they did I thought was disappointing. And then like I know we're talking Grayson Rodriguez, but the, the John Angelos comments are just like I just some of these ownerships can't even get out of their own way in terms of generating excitement for the the foundations that they are attempting to lay like he's they're already kind of backing away from the possibility of an Adley Rushman extension and saying that the team has to operate within the confines that it's in and that they're going to model themselves after the Rays, Brewers and Diamondbacks like you're not them even if even if that right you first of all you are not them secondly even if that is your plan i you are diffusing the excitement that is building up in baltimore over adley rushman and grayson rodriguez and dl hall and gunner henderson and all these other guys it's like we just saw the d-backs put put corbin carroll's corbin or carroll. corbin carroll put uh pen to, uh, pen to paper on an extension right and uh and they're already kind of backing away from the possibility of doing that with adley uh, I just, I'm I'm gonna watch Rodriguez. I just I I just can't believe sometimes the way they can't get out of their own way with this stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a bad vibe to have right now, knowing that you've got the mm. future of your organization there and on its way, and you're already telling your fans, you know, don't get 
don't get terribly excited about this because we got to operate. And what the fuck? <laughs> you know what's cool about him facing DeGrom, too, in his debut is that I think there's something very cool about having an elite, elite pitching prospect immediately go up against kind of the gold standard of Major League Baseball because you can kind of see how the stuff plays or doesn't play. Like, this is not a perfect apples to apples example, but I remember uh, when Matt Harvey was ascending onto the scene, and it feels like a long time ago now, but when Matt Harvey was ascending, it might have been the most electric thing going on the pitching mound in Major League Baseball. And I went and down to uh, City Field and I watched Strasburg against Harvey. Um, and the, the, I, I can still picture it. It was so clear how much Harvey's stuff was popping relative to Strasburg's. And I was like, holy shit, like this is the real deal. And I'm just like, Again, DeGrom's been along, around a lot longer than Strasburg had been at that time, but I'm just kind of interested to see how Grayson stuff plays visually um, next to DeGrom's. Yeah. Why, why did they put him in the minors for one start? Is there any logic in that? Because Bradish got hurt, so he's on the injured list. Oh, yeah. They originally sent... Um, they originally sent him down because they wanted him to work on his command and pitch efficiency. Mm. Um. But so, yeah, he went down for literally one start. So it's there's no guarantee that once Bradish comes back that um, Rodriguez will still be at the big league level. But I mean, Bradish is a take it or leave it guy for me. I mean, he had like a five ERA last year, a one and a half whip. Like that's not a dude where it's like, well, <laughs> once we get Bradish back and now we're cooking with gas. Like I would rather at this point, if you're looking at the top of the AL East, I'd rather figure out what I got here with Rodriguez. Why not? It's, I mean, if you're actually trying to make the playoffs, he's definitely one of the five best starters. And if he's not, and that's a concern, if he's the number one pitching prospect, just who they have. They don't oh, have much. Oh, wow. What? what? Uh, Tyler O'Neill got benched today. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to like. So if for those who are unaware, Tyler O'Neill, Carlos Marmol had a little uh, exchange through the media. Tyler O'Neill thrown out Is at home plate. Carlos Marmol called into question the effort level from Tyler O'Neill. And I'm going to say this. If you go back and watch the video, there is a moment that is easily identifiable as watching a shift in His name is Oliver. effort. What's that? Or I said Carlos Marmol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say Carlos Marmol <laughs> hasn't been the pitching fucking for pitcher, a little bit. The for he was nasty. He though. was filthy. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, aside from the play, my first question was: Did Marmol take O'Neill into the video room and identify the moment that he felt things didn't go the way that they should have been going? Did that happen? If so, then the exchange probably doesn't happen. So I don't think that happened. I'd like to think that maybe that would happen at some point in time. So the air is cleared. But now you show up to the ballpark today and you're on the bench. So there, there's a three-way exchange here. Originally, um, Marmol said that his, his, uh, his lack of hustle was, quote, unacceptable. That's not our style of play as far as effort rounding the bag there. And then Tyler O'Neill responded, and I said, and he said, I think, I think he was pretty blunt about it. He didn't think I gave the best effort. 
you know, I'm out here every day grinding my ass off. Those are pretty strong words from him. So that's good to know. And then today, Marmol said, there's a standard. You don't meet it. You don't play. Damn, man. Straight up. And, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you go back and watch him rounding third base, there's a moment where you can see him running. He realizes where the ball's at, and you can see him dig a little harder. And I promise you that Marmol is saying, why weren't you digging that hard around the bag? Because if you were, maybe things are different. And yeah. out here grinding my ass off, and my, my response to that would be, it's the fourth fucking game of the season. <laughs> right. That would be my response to that. So if we're in game four and it's already a grinding my ass off type of feel for you, well, then we should talk about that too. But I would really like yeah. to see some kind of communication between the skipper and his player so that these kind of communications through the media don't become the standard. Because I would like to think that that standard isn't being met with that organization. Let's handle things in-house. Let's have that conversation in the video room. Let's play it back and you tell me what you think about what I see. And then we don't ever have to have this exchange through the media because that's a standard, in my opinion, that's not being met. So I can understand yeah. the manager wanting to call that's his Bob out, shit. But <laughs> yeah, could have been handled better. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, didn't I predict Bob Guerin's going to be on the fucking fucking on the captain of the ship by the end of the year yeah this yeah, is where it starts bob garen starts manager of the year for the st louis cardinals wow <laughs> this is i mean for four games in and joe just sniffed out the drama in the cardinals clubhouse before it even happened well i saw they were playing the Braves second second series mm-hmm. i knew that was going to be rough yeah, could cause some issues. I mean, Acuna threw his ass out by a mile. Can you? Can we just that guy? He threw out. He threw out two runners yesterday, and had a steal, and two hits, and he had a home run the day before. Sounds a lot like an MVP to me. I was about Ew. to say the same thing, man. And only two people here predicted it. Yeah, Blue Moon's the MVP of beers, though. I can say that right now, because some beers they can say that they're brewed for baseball. But only Blue Moon is brewed by baseball. Blue Moon was created at Coors Field, Denver, Colorado. It's the natural choice for opening day and all season long. And just in time for opening day, Blue Moon is teaming up with another ballpark brand and launching a throwback merch collection with Ebbets Field flannels. Been at, I, this is, today is the first day that I'm going to miss a game at Fenway Park this year. I've been every single game so far. They got a day game. I just I can't fit it into my schedule today, unfortunately. So I'm going to be home drinking some Blue Moons, watching some Red Sox baseball uh, with its refreshing flavor. Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon, Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer where you can get something that's one of a kind? It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, an iconic orange slice, which will guarantees a one of a kind beer that's uh, perfect for spring weather. Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase this beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you with Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale. 
It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoon.com for throwback baseball merch with Ebbets Field flannels or visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket to find Blue Moon delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Can, um, can I hit Dallas with something before he leaves? Please. Because I got to get his thoughts. MLB, I think my favorite MLB.com headline ever is currently up right now. And it's on the no. Guardians Athletics game last night. And it was okay. it, it is. Beaver <clears throat> denied the win, but gives Penn a break. The Athletics <laughs> won the game. <laughs> <laughs> and the MLB.com headline is Beaver denied the win, but gives the pen a break. Um, it's on the website now, dude. Uh, the official Beaver. website of MLB.com profiling the losing Beaver. team. <laughs> it starts in which he walks one or fewer over his career is 11 and two, I believe with like a fucking two and a half ERA in starts where he walks two or more numbers are very, very different, very different when loss, different ERA different. Um, but last night in a game in which they were winning in which Shane Bieber had only walked one batter up until this point, he faced Seth Brown with a runner on third base. Got Seth Brown to swing over top a curveball for strike three that made its way to the backstop. Seth Brown made his way to first base, run scored, A's went on to win that game. So if Brownie doesn't swing, that is the second walk. That ball probably still bounces. The run does score, and that fits the narrative for Shane Bieber's command just one walk separating the difference of winning and losing. But uh, that is a very, very interesting headline. Classic very Midwest bias. Classic, mm. classic Heartland bias. Don't want to shine the light on the town, baby. It's all good. Maybe if we get some LEDs in our ballpark, they'll start watching too. Shit. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what Tied it is. with That's the socks right now. But apparently with LEDs comes a whole shit ton of fireworks you didn't expect. So I don't know about that. <clears throat> all right. All right. <laughs> Hey, I got to go. It's been great talking to you, boys. Uh, wheels up to Tampa. I got a day off tomorrow, so I'm probably going to get shit-faced by the pool, smashing blue moons. Uh, enjoy enjoy whatever it is you're doing. Okay. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you. Uh, they're, they're doing it again. The fucking Tampa Bay Rays are 5-0 and to start the season. When we talked about the AL East, we were like, oh, the Orioles are exciting. The Yankees are back. The Blue Jays. The Tampa Bay Rays are 5-0 and to start the year. I don't know how much stock you want to put into that. I think it's obviously it's still very early, but to no fan's surprise, the Tampa Bay Rays are, um, they, just, they just do it. They just, they just find a way, and it never makes sense. They just they do what they got to do. So I, I don't know that we're spending a ton of time on uh, Tampa Bay Rays talk, but I... I did want to at least acknowledge that they are the only team to start at the season unbeaten at 5 and 0. Congratulations. Thank you Tampa. <laughs> um is there is there a team that has started off the season somewhat surprising to you uh in a good way or a bad way? I guess it would be Philly getting their first win of the season last night. Joe, your Phils. That was a good win yesterday. The Phil's off slow. I mean, to be honest, the probably the best, most surprising team would have probably, I don't know, Minnesota, four and one. 
I don't know that I'm surprised by that a ton. I'm not surprised. They're they're not supposed to suck. Yeah. But like what other team? I mean, I would say Seattle off to a bad start, which is something that's... uh, Not last night though. Teoscar Hernandez, two home runs. AJ Pollock, two home runs. Luis Castillo doing the damn thing. Returning the tide. Returning the tide last night. Last night was a was a nice little vibe reversal. So at this point in the season, run differential is maybe even more interesting to me than actual wins and losses. And I just can't help but chuckle at the fact that the Dodgers are already plus twenty five on the second closest team in the NL West uh, run. Why, like the Dodgers are plus twenty five in a positive direction. The next closest team is the Giants at exactly zero uh, in the West. May may mean something, may not, but you know, for for all the talk of the demise, I know Joey resisted the Dodgers' demise, but so far so good. Hmm. I already got my demise glasses on the Padres down there, down there in fucking fourth place. Maybe not, maybe third place. Either way, the way that they lost yesterday, choked one against the Diamondbacks, some freaking bad vibes with the pitch clock and the umpire was being a jerk and you know they choked it Manny's out of the game bullpen falls apart I got big time collapse glasses Uh-oh. on the Padres we've I seen mean, it happen before we have seen it happen before that is true it's not a historical thing it is a uh, there are pieces of that big pieces of that team that are still on this team but there is new blood Bob Melvin, a different voice. I think the Padres will be just fine. Xander Bogarts leading the world in home runs for the San Diego Padres. It's been tough to watch. It's been tough to watch the Padres. No, we we should talk about is uh, your guy over there in Boston talking smack against your other guy up there in oh, Toronto. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. I did see that. Um. Alex Verdugo had some words for Alec Manoa, which it, it, it there's got to be something deeper there because he, Verdugo wasn't even asked about Manoa. He just kind of pulled that one out of the clouds. So Verdugo said, if it's a genuine re-, and then we're talking about just guys celebrating and he was more or less like I listened to the audio and Verdugo was talking about celebrations in baseball and how when he gets a hit, he'll get on base and he'll point to his own dugout or he'll hype up his his dugout running down the line or something like that. Um, so he said, if it's a genuine reaction and it's for the boys, not directed towards somebody, then yeah, it's fine. I think Alec Manoa goes about it the wrong way. 100% I think he does. So like, there's plenty of guys that probably don't quote unquote go about it the right way, but it, Verdugo is just kind of waiting to throw some shade at Alec Manoa. It sounds like um, Alec Manoa's response was was very clear and concise. He said, "Coming from him, I don't give a shit. <laughs> My job is to pitch and get guys out." I I, I completely agree with Manoa. Like I. I in my opinion, anybody who takes the the perspective of trying to police celebrations, regardless of where they draw the line, is going to be on the butt end of that conversation. Because 
Verdugo is saying it's okay if I point to my own dugout or hype up my own team. 10 years ago, there were people saying that's not okay either. So like this, this idea that like, that's where we're drawing the line. No, I did just fucking mind your own business on it. Point to your own dugout if you want. Let him do his own thing. I, I just don't think there's any. Yeah. Obviously, they can say what they want, but nobody's ever going to come off sounding like enlightened to me, trying to police mm-hmm. or draw the line on where celebrations are appropriate and where they're not. No. And, and I think so. I will talk out of both sides of my mouth here. If I were a player. Yeah, I would be on Verdugo's side. Like, I'm going to, if I get a base hit, I'm going to fire up my teammates and I'm going to be like talking shit, but like, I'm going to like fire up the fans and like be pointing back to my own dugout. Like, I'm going to do it that way. But as a fan, of course, I love shit stirs like Alec Manoa that are going to like punch out a a guy and um, they're going to end up like talking. So he did it. To the Red Sox. And I'm still saying like, yeah, go go talk that shit. He did it to Bobby Dahlbeck, who I love. Like Bobby Dahlbeck, I think he hit a home run. Didn't pimp it. Like Bob's not like that. He hit a home run, ran the bases, not an issue. And then Alec Manoa struck out Bobby Dahlbeck and was like, sit down, bitch. And and Bobby <laughs> just like looked at him like, what? And he's like, yeah, sit the fuck down, bitch. Like, is it would it piss me off <laughs> totally if I was on the team? Yeah. Like, yes, I would have an issue with that if I was on the Red Absolutely. Sox. I'm not. I'm just a fan. So I, I like the drama. I like the, the whole thing with Garrett Cole. When Garrett Cole is like, oh, I'm gonna fucking, oh, you got a problem with me? You hit Aaron Judge. It's like Alec Mano is like, hey, come out past the fucking Audi sign, pussy. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> great. That's awesome. And that's that's my thing. It's like I I totally agree. If I was a member of the Red Sox or, or any team and, and an opposing pitcher did that, I would be like, fuck that guy. But I think there's a difference between saying, yo, that guy celebrates like a douchebag or fuck that guy and he should not celebrate that way or here's how he should behave. Like, those are two different things to me. Policing the behavior and saying, I don't care for that behavior are not the same thing. And I totally, no. totally no. sympathize with the I don't like that behavior. Yes, it, it's it's all about perspective. Yes. Like, where am I? Am I an employee of the team? No, I've been accused of it, but I'm not. Am I am I a player on the team? No. Okay, then I like it. And, and and this comes from the biggest Red Sox hunk in the world, and the issue that we just used the example of was with Bobby Dahlbeck, and now these quotes are with Alex Verdugo, who wasn't even involved in that incident. He, I think, the other person he bitched out was Franchi Cordero. Who, like, again, I don't even know that he, I don't think he speaks any English. And he was, he was motherfucking him for striking him out. And that's all he does is strike out. Like, Manoa is just like a, he's a competitor. Like, that's what he, that's what he does. Like, if that's how you get your edge, that's how you keep your edge is by screaming at people and telling them to go sit the fuck down. By all means, like, go, go do it. I guess in a way, it, because he's, I don't want to, he's not a rookie anymore, but he's, he's somewhat newer in the league. You almost have to establish yourself as this, as the psycho guy, like, like Max Scherzer. No one, when, when Max Scherzer does that shit all the time, no one has an issue with it because they're like, that guy's a fucking lunatic. Like, that's just what he does. Well, Manoa has to establish himself as the guy where it's like, that's just what he does. And when you're pitching in all-star games and punching guys out in the all-star game, yeah, there's more leeway. Like you can't be, 
You can't be putting up like a six and a half ERA. And then when you strike someone else, strike someone out, be like, yeah, sit down, bitch. Like they'd be like, fuck you. You <laughs> suck. Like I, I, the sun was in my eyes. Like I was about to sneeze. That, that's why I struck out. You're not good. But if you're a pitcher of Alec Manoa's caliber, we've got five panelists on this podcast and two of us picked him to win the Cy Young Award. That's for a reason. So I think if if you can back it up, then I don't care. Like talk your shit, even if it's against my team. It may it may get under my skin in the moment, but I love when things get under my skin. I like feeling something. That's why it, it's a it's a weird comparison to draw. But that's why I don't ever want robot umps. Like I yeah. like the fact that when they blow calls, it pisses me off. Like I like to get pissed off about things that I care about sometimes. <laughs> Can't, like you, what would what would the the movie industry be? If every movie was just feel good and like there was no adversity, there was no antagonist like that's what you need. That's it's 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 unscripted real life Hollywood drama. And and I want more of it. I wish more people would get under other players skin like Alec Manoa does. Well, that's the thing. In order for that to happen, you still need people getting pissed at guys for doing that, you know, and that's yeah. another thing. Like, I don't like the. I don't know if people are saying this, but what Alex Verdugo is saying is not like a Madison Bumgarner type take where it's like, oh, don't flip your bat. You know, it's just like if you're going to strike someone out, which I love and say, fuck you, bitch. Like, all right, no shit. They're going to be pissed at you like that. You should be pissed at a guy doing that. I don't know. He should still do it because it's fun and YOLO. But like, yeah, you can't just say, fuck you, bitch. And expect everyone to be like, well, you know, let the kids play. It's a big difference. <laughs> I don't remember the doing a bitch flip. being in any of the let the kids play commercials. I don't. That clip <laughs> yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. I just don't. I know because I love the let the kids play shit. But then some people are like, oh, wow. Like Verdugo, you're a freaking boomer now for being mad at this. It's like, no, he's just a human being. Like what circumstance in ever any sport, any life where you're talking shit to someone to their face and they'll just be like, yeah, like, dude, it's fun. Let the kids play. Let the kids play. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that exchange. Jake, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I, I agree with Joey. Like, if someone said that to my face, I wouldn't just be like, oh, cool. Like, I respect that that's how you celebrate. I would be pissed at the guy, but I mean, it's just a fun part of the game and add some drama, so I'm cool with it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that I, I think... In the case of Alec Manoa specifically, he's pissing off everybody. So, like, I don't care. Like, it's not like a him versus the Red Sox thing. Um, the fact that uh, he got into it with Garrett Cole, you can get in whatever tiffs you want <laughs> with Alex Verdugo and guys in the Red Sox. As long as you're an arch nemesis of Garrett Cole, then we're on the same team, brother. We are on Hell the same yeah, team. Man. That's probably what Manoa needs, though. He needs that, like, fucking chip on his shoulder. For, like, eat my, you know, you're going to th- throw up the pitch's ass, the fish's ass. Throw <laughs> up the tell- fish's <laughs> ass. That's what happened other- with um, CC Sabathia. So I can't remember, like, the exact details, but it was something along the lines of he would just pick a guy on any team and just hate that guy <laughs> for no other reason. <laughs> then he needed it to stay motivated. So on the Red Sox, he just picked Jackie Bradley Jr. For no other reason than he's like, that's the guy that I'm just going to hate 
with with all the hate in my heart. He would strike him out and just scream in his face or he would get like a dribbler back to the mound, throw him out and then be like, fuck you, you fucking bitch. And Jackie didn't do anything. Jackie's the nicest guy. But some guys, because pitchers are crazy, they just need that thing to keep them motivated, to keep them focused and to keep their edge. So maybe maybe Manoa's taken a, a page out of uh, CC Sabathia's book because you're not you're genuinely not going to find a nicer, calmer, just genuine dude than Bobby Dahlbeck. And that's who he was screaming, sit the fuck down, bitch, to. <laughs> so maybe that's what it is. He's, he's just, just picking a random guy. He's a beast. And this is going to only make him better. Now he's got Verdugo to fucking scream at. <laughs> now he's got Verdugo. You got stupid ass hubs calling him fat. He's too oh, fat no. for the pitch clock. We're going to get Manoa on the podcast this year. I, I already put it out there on Twitter. His people reached out and I... I told you I met him outside of Fenway last year. We we bumped fists because I said fuck Garrett Cole to him and he loved it. <laughs> like we're we're the mega powers of of hating Garrett Cole. There's there's never been two greater forces to to join up in with, for one common goal of hating Garrett yeah. Cole. And then Josh Donaldson did the uh the, did I don't know if he still does it but he said that he before games he does like a meditation practice. Uh-huh. Where he sits by himself and just pictures the other team like stealing money from like his family. Like their motivation is to take food out of his family's mouth. They're trying to strike him out so he's broke and can't support his family and just gets pissed off and then plays. <laughs> I did not know that. He's he's a legitimate psychopath, Josh. How fucking dope is that, dude? Just, I'm meditating. <laughs> Back up, Josh is meditating, guys. He's just picturing a guy just coming in, sneaking into the pantry and just stealing all the freaking snacks. That's like um, one of my buddies was a security guard at TD Garden like 10, 15 years ago. And um, it was like his first week on the job. And he was like walking into the Celtics locker room and all he could hear is just bang, 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 bang. And he's like, what the fuck is that? So he goes in and Kevin Garnett has a basketball and he's just smashing it off his forehead repeatedly. <laughs> and, he, and then like another guy comes over and like pushes him out. He's like, hey, he's like, you can't. He's like, don't go in there when he's doing that. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, that's just. That's just what he does before games. Like, I don't know. And then he does that when he goes out on the court. Like, he would go out on the court and then go under the basket and smash his fucking head off the post. It, there's Athletes are just different. Professional athletes at the highest level, it, we as, as common folk can't comprehend the places that athletes like that have to go mentally to be on top of their game. Like we have the benefit of just popping onto our laptops, firing up a microphone and hitting record. And that's what we have to do to, to do this show. If you're going to be at the top of your game, playing against the best professional athletes to, to also play the same sport as you, 
you got to go to deep, dark places sometimes. To suggest that all I do to get ready for this podcast is plug in my microphone <laughs> and I mean, sorry. That I, is I, true. That is an insult. Yeah, like I apologize. hours and hours of quiet contemplation. <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. That, that is, uh, yeah. Jay Hay does do a lot of research. Fuck you, bitch. A lot of research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start doing the basketball trick before the pod. Yeah. Before we get on, Joey's just smashing a basketball off his head. <laughs> Crazy. Absolute insanity. Oh, boy. Uh, listen, speaking of basketball, there is so much basketball to watch right now. It's crazy. And like a ball with a funky spin, it can be hard to get a handle on it all. Now you can stay on top of all the madness with the Xfinity 10G <laughs> network. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra low lag so you and everyone else can stream every single game uh, at the same time and never miss a shot. And if you're on the go, Xfinity will still be right there with the assist with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Hallelujah. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. 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 Um, All right. We have any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? Again, we're doing three episodes a week. So if you've gotten to this point and you're looking at what an hour podcast, no way. These guys are the three hour guys during the season. We're trying to make more consumable content for you. So we're going to do three podcasts. We're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, the Monday episode is going to be a little bit meatier because we're going over the whole weekend. Wednesday, we're just, you know, we're checking in. It's like, hey, middle of the week. What's been happening? What's going on? We get, a, we get a big league call up today. That's awesome. One of the top prospects in baseball. Let's talk about it. Max Scherzer gave up three back-to-back-to-back home runs. Let's talk about it. Because by the time, if we had done an episode on Thursday, Max Scherzer giving up back-to-back-to-back home runs is not really newsworthy anymore. So we're kind of just checking in. Some shit. We're trying to get the in-between stories too. Get the big ones. Get the in-between ones. That's what we're doing. So we'll be back to, tomorrow. Fucking, fucking tomorrow. Don't miss us. Um, Jay, hey, final thoughts. I just, I'm glad we're back tomorrow because there are a lot of intriguing pitching matchups to me today. Uh, you got one of the best left-handers in baseball in Shane McClanahan against probably the worst left-hander in baseball in Patrick Corbin. Uh, you got Nola mm-hmm. versus Cole. You got pa- uh, Pablo Lopez against Jesus Lazardo. Why is that interesting? Those are two of the largest velocity gainers from last season so far early in this year. Uh, that's uh, about as po- one of the best things that you could possibly have right now is uh, a velocity that's ticked up by about two miles an hour, which is the case with both of those guys. Uh, Corbin Burns, we already talked about Grayson Rodriguez and Degrom, and then of course you have Otani pitching as well. So I'm I'm already excited for Thursday's pod. Let's go, um, Joseph. Yeah, a lot of shit going on today, and they're all day games, which is weird. But uh, don't forget about Granky tonight. But versus Manoa, that's a great matchup. That's a crazy matchup. Granky Just Manoa kind of, will be good. Kind of two opposites. Except every pitcher is the opposite of Zach Granky nowadays. But, <coughs> what do you mean? I mean, he throws like 90 miles per hour. Yeah. And just fools people with the changeup that's faster than his fastball. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of hard to not be different than that. Yeah. Cole versus Nola will be exciting. That's uh, that's coming up in about 40 minutes or so. Shohei Otani on the mound tonight against 
our Seattle Mariners America's team. So we'll have a uh, we'll have a Shohei Otani start to discuss tomorrow, and then also Dylan Cease, who I don't even think that we have. Like it's it's insulting to to have that. I, too many people call him a dark horse for the Cy Young Award. He's amongst the favorites. I mean, if he's I'm not going to say he's the favorite, but he's amongst the favorites. He's in the top two percent. So he's no longer the uh, secret candidate. He's a strong candidate for Cy Young. Dylan Cease goes tonight um, against the Giants. Logan Webb. So that's 2 p.m. A lot of day games. Only day games. Latest, latest start is 410 on the east side. Um, all right. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you there. We out.